Welcome, welcome to a new episode of The Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl, Stephanie Hardy. Of course, I'm the host and creator of this fabulous show, this beautiful brand. And of course, I'm a host and writer for Women's Wrestling Talk and color commentator featured on The Belladonna Division, Battle Club Pro, and Black Girl Magic 2022. And I am so happy to be back on this show after what has been a very eventful week after Wrestlemania. And of course, if you follow your girl on social media, you know that I was actually in attendance for Wrestlemania night one and night two, all of it, and so many other events surrounding Wrestlemania, seeing as this was my first time in over 12 years going to a Wrestlemania since Wrestlemania 27 in Atlanta in 2011. I was so happy to be a part of the number of over a thousand people to show up for WrestleMania. So I experienced everything the same way everybody else did, whether it was on TV, on live, on Peacock or anything else. I was there and it was amazing. And I just can't wait to get into it on this show. I would have done it yesterday, but I'm also fighting like the sniffles and stuff of what you get when you're traveling about or whatever. And the air is changing and the weather is warm and cold in some places. But either way, I'm so happy to be back on here to talk about everything that I experienced during WrestleMania week. And I hope, of course, you and yours are having an amazing week today is Easter slash Resurrection Sunday. So, of course, if you're celebrating that or acknowledging that, um, happy Resurrection. Sunday, happy Easter, all of the happiness. I hope that you're having an amazing holiday. And if you are spending it with me, that makes it even greater. So thank you guys so much for your support and for all of the well wishes of travels, you know, and safe travels that I got um, when I posted about anything WrestleMania related with me making my flights to LA and back home. Thank you guys so much. So yeah, like this, um, on this episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast, I'm going to start with some news and gossip-ish, and of course, it's going to be a little bit short, because I have to talk about everything I loved and did not, and everything I loved about WrestleMania um, and the surrounding events that weekend that I attended. So of course, we're going to start with the news and gossip-ish of the week, and it has to be and of course, you got to start with the biggest thing, right? And that was, of course, the sale 
of WWE to Endeavor Group Holdings on Monday. Now, of course, this news hit really early in the morning. And the reason why I know is because Monday morning at about maybe 4 a.m., I was at the airport um, waiting for my flight, um, my connecting flight to from L.A. to Houston. And when I looked on my phone, it just so happened that the news about the merger between Endeavor UFC and WWE had just so happened to break. Now, a report had been released via CNBC that it was going to be announced later on in the day after, of course, the events of WrestleMania Night 2, but no one knew for sure until it was released. And when I looked, I was like, oh my God, like, it felt like as I was sitting in the airport processing everything that I had just witnessed, it felt like the landscape of wrestling had yet again changed with the sale. So, of course, um, the article was released about it. This is via Bleacher Report. After roughly 70 years of being in control of the McMahon family, WWE was sold to Endeavor Group Holdings on Monday. WWE and UFC, which is, of course, an M- the most popular MMA um, promotion that's out there in the world right now, which is owned by Endeavor, are merging to form a $21 billion global live sports and entertainment company. With the transaction, UFC was valued at $12.1 billion, and WWE had a valuation of $9.3 billion. And the statement was released by Endeavor saying, quote, together we will be a 21 plus billion dollar live sports and entertainment powerhouse with a collective fan base of more than a billion people and an exciting growth opportunity. WWE executive chairman Vince McMahon said the new company will be well positioned to maximize the value of our combined media rights, enhance sponsorship monetization develop new forms of content, and pursue other strategic mergers and acquisitions to further bolster our strong stable of brands. And it also states that Endeavor will have a 51% controlling interest with the remaining 49% spread across WWE shareholders. Now, what's interesting about all of this is the fact that W that, um, Vince McMahon, who had been out of the company for a number of months, given the whole scandal of everything that got released about him paying off money to women who he may have had um, done favors for or may have done favors for him all of the above. Um, he's been brought back into the fold in terms of business wise as the executive chairman Um but in terms of who the president is going to be, it's going to be, um, where's, I have his name listed here. His name is Ari Emanuel. He's going to be the CEO, but at least Vince McMahon will still be, you know, the executive chairman. They felt like he was better off, you know, overseeing the brand, but they made it seem like once the sale and the merger was over that he would, you know, have nothing to do with it. But as it turns out, the Monday after WrestleMania on that Raw, you can tell that creative was being held um, hostage by Vince McMahon because he stated on CNBC after the deal was officially announced that he would still have some involvement, but not deep in the woods of the involvement of creative. And I thought that was really interesting seeing as Triple H has been listed as the chief content creator um, of WWE for the past couple of months, and it has had amazing results. But Vince, of course, who's having you can't really say a midlife crisis, but I guess a senior life crisis 
dyeing his hair with his mustache or whatever, is trying to prove that he can still have, you know, say so over this company that he is now giving up. That at one point it was sort of assumed that maybe he would never give up, but now he has, and now he's still wanting to play the game a little bit, no pun intended. So I thought that was really interesting. And the Raw after WrestleMania, of course, made a lot of fans really upset um, over the course of the night because even though I was tired as all heck from traveling, I still decided, you know, I'm going to try and stay up and watch um, the Raw after Mania just to see what's going to happen here. And the Raw after Mania was not the greatest. Um, there wasn't a lot of women's action to the... Um, to the duress of a lot of people. Um, the only thing that seemed to stay consistent throughout the night was the presence of the bloodline and all of the above, but other than that. And then of course you had Brock Lesnar in the fold um, attacking Cody Rhodes after he thought he was going to tag with him against Roman and Solo. But either way, it was just, it wasn't exactly the greatest or most memorable raw after mania that we've had in a very long time. So a lot of the fans were very, speculative and angry about that and then we were also really you know anxious over the rumors that were being spread about Smackdown but Smackdown turned out to be a pretty solid show for the most part so maybe the creative um component is going to be split between Vince and Triple H maybe Triple H is going to start back by going back to Raw and controlling both of them or maybe Vince McMahon kind of just wanted to do something cute and new who knows at this point but either way this is where we're at it's like just as soon as Wrestlemania ended we're in a new era of ownership but I will also venture to say that it was not um viewed as exactly the best thing because more news came out about the merger saying that it's under investigation and I thought this was really interesting how they were just like okay Vince McMahon is under investigation so the sale of course um from ringside news Felix Upton noted Tuesday that Ademi LLP a law firm that specializes in shareholder litigation announced that it is looking into whether WWE's board of directors obtained a fair and reasonable price in the sale process upon the and this is the news release saying that eight that Ademi LLP alleges that WWE's financial outlook and prospects are excellent, and yet the transaction values WWE shares at only approximately $106 per share before any post-closing dividend with Endeavor holding a 51% controlling interest in the new company and existing WWE shareholders holding a 49% interest in the new company. The transaction agreement unreasonably limits competing bids for WWE by imposing a significant penalty if WWE accepts a superior bid. WWE insiders will receive substantial benefits as part of a change of control, of, um, control arrangements. We are investigating the conduct of WWE's board of directors and whether they are fulfilling their fiduciary duties to all shareholders and obtaining a fair and reasonable price for WWE. So this is all really interesting. And of course, if you are interested in business, I'm more than sure that this is something that does tick your box. But for someone like me who doesn't really know a whole lot about business, what I'm just concerned about as a fan and also as a budding journalist is whether or not, you know, the content of WWE will remain the same 
or whether or not you'll see more UFC people coming into the fold of WWE or more WWE people coming into the fold of UFC. Because that would make my life a little bit more interesting um, in terms of the fandom and what to talk about. Because we're not going to pretend that in the last few years, we have not seen people from the UFC sort of, you know, throw barbs at regular WWE superstars or that we haven't seen MMA stars, you know, of course, try to make a stride into WWE like Cain Velasquez at that one point. Of course, with Ronda Rousey, of course, with Brock Lesnar. Like, there's just so many people who you can think of from the MMA world who have transitioned into wrestling either really well or not so well. So both of these worlds being together makes a whole lot of sense to me. Um, And... I think it's really cool how that happens because usually in conversations, when it comes to the comparison of the UFC and WWE, a lot of people think that UFC is more legitimate than WWE because they feel like wrestling is fake or whatever, but it's not fake and you can still get hurt doing both just as much. So either way, I'm still I'm still very intrigued about what's going to happen over the next coming weeks when it comes to more information about Endeavor and what they plan to do with the UFC and WWE. And then, of course, with the draft that was just announced as well that will be taking place in the next few weeks, it's going to be cool too. So Big ups to all of the big business people who get to be rich off of this and big ups to us fans who get to talk about it and experience it all in real time after all of this major stuff has gone on. So moving forward um, in more news and gossipish, I want to give a um, trigger warning for this story. Because it is not my intention to hurt anyone or make anybody feel any further traumatized when it comes to stories like this involving something this sensitive. But this is just a trigger warning. If this is too much, if this story is too much for you as I begin to tell it, you are more than welcome to turn it off. You are more than welcome to fast forward or anything like this. But this is a story that I believe um, deserves to be told with the utmost care. And if it is too much for you, you are more than welcome to bypass it or whatever. But if you do want to discuss it, that's fine as well. So speaking of crazy news that came out of this week, um, Sherilyn Guerrero, who is, I believe, the youngest child of both Eddie Guerrero and Vicky Guerrero biologically, came out on TikTok, um, hello, Eddie James, thank you for watching on YouTube, um, came out on TikTok and revealed something about herself that I thought was so disturbing and so sad um, when I heard it. And it was the news that Vicky Guerrero's husband, who she is currently married to, whose name I will not mention here, but who has been put out there publicly on social media as Vicky Guerrero's um, current husband, um, sexually assaulted her on a cruise a few years ago. And this was something that Sherilyn talked about having doubts about revealing, and she was afraid to really talk about it simply because of the idea that there's a rift between her and her family and that there seems to be more of a rift the more um, 
like as the years pass by and how much she has a desire to reach out to her mom and reach out to her sister and still want to love them but yet somehow or another it's not the greatest of relationships but she came out and said that a part of her journey is really is part of her healing journey is to reveal the truth and she revealed that Vicky Guerrero's husband at one point did sexually assault her on a cruise that the family was on and when she tried to tell her mom what had happened, her mom basically denied it and said that she only wanted to believe her husband and, you know, was just going to stand by him in that point. And it is just the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life because I've, I don't know if in your communities or wherever you are, you may have heard stories about um, people either being abused in any way, shape, or form, and then their families don't believe them or they'll disown them for telling the truth or for shaking the table in that way, and they make them seem like they're the black sheep of the family, and they're just trying to ruin their happiness or ruin everything. And this is a situation where I truly believe that a victim should be heard, number one, and also number two, as a parent, you should be trying to figure out what that truth is. And after your child tells you what has happened, you take it to the person that's being accused of said thing. And if it's true, you get them out of your life and you protect your child by all means. You do not choose your husband or your significant other over your child that is of your flesh. I have never had a child myself. But I do know that the love in my heart for my child would supersede the love that I have for any person, whether they be, you know, for any other person, whether it be as a significant other or a friend or whatever. And if you've hurt my child, I'm going to hurt you. That's just how I feel. And that's just the type of time that I would have been on. And the fact that Vicky turned out to be a person that did not do that and did not protect her um breaks my heart and it disappoints me on a level that you will never understand and it's just it's heartbreaking and then what's even sadder is the fact that Sherilyn feels that she doesn't have anybody that she could talk to about this outside of maybe um her cousin Chavo who did come out in a tweet that I will read later and then you also think about the fact that she doesn't even have her father anymore Eddie Guerrero who is a hall of famer you know passed away in 2005 she does not have him anymore. She can't confide in her dad. And she is going to need years of healing in order to get past that part. But the fact that you lose your mother, not in, you lose your mother because she wants to believe her husband over you just has to be the most devastating thing on the planet. And honestly, all I want is for Sherilyn Guerrero to get whatever type of healing that she needs, whether it be through therapy or whatever it is, in a healthy way, I hope she gets it. And I hope that she receives every good thing that she deserves in this life after going through something like that. And I know that on this show a few weeks ago, I did talk about Vicky Guerrero and her um, contributions to WrestleMania 30 with the um, Divas Championship Invitational. But as far as I'm concerned on this show, Vicky Guerrero will not be spoken of again after this point. She will not be, you know, talked about again in any positive light whatsoever. She can go kick rocks as far as I'm concerned. You're a trash mom um, and you deserve I, I everything. I feel like I hate to wish anything negative upon a person, but it's just 
you have to be the worst type of person to not believe your child over your husband that you just married like a few years ago. That I feel like that just makes you the worst type of person. Your your child supersedes everyone else. And I'm just wishing Sherilyn the best in this situation. But Chavo Guerrero did come out on Twitter and say, just to let everyone know, I fully support my cousin Sherilyn Guerrero, Eddie's daughter, and have been doing so privately in the last couple of years of her struggles. She is a very strong woman for coming forward with the sexual assault that she suffered. I love you, Prima, with a heart emoji. So at least she does have somebody who is on her side that is a part of that family. So... I want to send huge love and huge light to Sherilyn Guerrero going through this tough time. Um, and I want to give her props for having courage to express it publicly when her family is so publicly known and also th with their eyes on them, you know, throughout this past weekend, because of course, Ray Mysterio got inducted into the hall of fame and paid tribute to Eddie Guerrero during his entrance at WrestleMania night one with his match um, versus Dominic. And they've been connected for so many years. So to do that on this week where the Guerrero family was getting that much attention, <coughs> excuse me, was just a really bold thing to do. So big ups to her. And I hope she gets all the healing that she deserves after this point. And for those parents who are listening, please protect your children at all costs. Protect them. Be, be their safe place. Don't be the place that they have to run away from. And that's all I have to say about that. And lastly, in news and gossip-ish, I got to talk about Mercedes Monet. <laughs> and of course, she is the IWGP champion. And as of yesterday morning, um, she is still the IWGP champion after she faced off against um, Azumi and um, Hazuki for um, the championship at Sakura Genesis for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, she had a really big week. Not only was she at WrestleCon this past weekend um, for WrestleMania weekend, she was also on the newest episode of The Mandalorian, which is the Star Wars show, prequel show that's centered on um, The Mandalorian and um, Baby Yoda Grogu. And she was on an episode um, as a part of I guess you could call them like a renegade group of Mandalorian who decide to take their mask off. Um, so she was on there after saying a few months ago that she wasn't in the new season. As it turns out, she was in the new season, but just in a smaller role as Costco Reeves. As you can see, her name was in the credits. And also you see the picture of her down below as well. And she was really thrilled about it, you know, for all of this to happen in one week. Um, I was really surprised by this because my boyfriend is a big Star Wars fan and he loved The Mandalorian, of course, when it came out. Um, so it's just like, I thought, okay, well, after she was in that one episode in season two, we weren't going to see her anymore and that was going to be it. But as it turns out, she was in this episode and I'm just like, oh my God, that's so great. Like, I can't believe it. Like, I may not necessarily be the biggest Star Wars fan, even though I have seen all the movies and I do appreciate, you know, the series, you know, as a masterpiece of filmmaking. I'm not the biggest, biggest fan, but the idea of her being on it makes me want to see, you know, what is going on and what she's doing. So I just love the idea of her being on it. I, you know, of course, y'all know that Mercedes Monet is my goat. So seeing her on it just made me happy. 
And of course, you know, this is a picture of when she was in the promo for season two of The Mandalorian and she and her face popped up and everybody was like, oh, my God, what is she doing? And she was getting off into her acting bag and everyone was just so excited about that. And this is when she was still with WWE. So now it's really good to see that her star is still rising as an actress, even though um, she may not be with WWE anymore. She's still that girl. Okay, and this is, of course, that scene where she met up with um, Din Djarin um, and Bo-Katan, who she was with, and she was setting um, Boba Fett on fire and giving him a DDT on and while running on top of the um, wall. I thought that scene was absolutely spectacular last season. I was like, girl, look at you fighting, like actually wrestling like you do, you know, on TV, on The Mandalorian. Like, I was so thrilled with this. So, of course, like I said, she did wrestle an amazing match. I did get a chance to watch it um, this past, like last night, I got to watch the match um back that she had with Hazuki and and um Azumi and they did a phenomenal job in that triple threat and of course Mercedes Monet did retain and I will talk more about this match this coming Tuesday on my special HWP extra episode where I do talk about it so please be on the lookout for that live and she of course tweeted about it and said what a week the best life hashtag Mandalorian hashtag um Sakura Genesis New Japan this is the way, hashtag Mandalorian, hashtag Costco Reeves, with a drawn, it looks like someone drew like a little like cardboard doll of herself as Costco Reeves and also as the champion. So big ups to Mercedes Monet for just being the huge star that she is. And thank you for Ma to Malcolm for watching on Facebook and also telling everybody to tune in. Of course, please tune in. And also thank you to Eddie James for saying mercenary group of Mandalorian, I think. Thank you so much for that. And also on that episode, Lizzo and Jack Black was on that episode too. So I thought that was really cool as well. So it was a very star-studded episode and big ups to Mercedes Monet for doing a bang-up job at being the star that we know that she is out here in these streets. And that's pretty much all for news and gossipish um now, because of course. There is so much to talk about, you know, regarding everything else that I've experienced. So we're going to go to the special segment um, where I'm going to talk about my WrestleMania journey and everything that I liked about WrestleMania night one and night two. So, of course, WrestleMania was this past weekend. Um, it's hard to believe that it was a week ago. Like this past Sunday, I was literally like, at a house in Inglewood, shout out to Katrina, um, at her house, getting ready to experience night two of WrestleMania at the SoFi Stadium. And just the idea that I was able to go just blows my mind. And even when I see any type of media centered around WrestleMania, I just still cannot believe I was there. I cannot believe I was able to experience everything of what California had to offer when it came to WrestleMania. Like my voice is still recovering from all the screaming that I did at various events, all of the above. Like it was such a blessing to be able to go as, you know, an adult. Cause it's like I was telling people that while I was there and they were laughing at me, but that's just the truth. I hadn't been to a WrestleMania since WrestleMania 27 in Atlanta in 2011 with my dad and my sister. And I tried my best to wait until it got closer to Alabama, like in Atlanta or something like that, or maybe even New Orleans again. 
but I just couldn't wait anymore. And I just had to go to California and it was a journey. It was kind of tedious when it came to the traffic component of it. But once you did get to all the places you wanted to go, you were still able to have a good time. So hopefully I'll be able to break this down and I won't be all over the place while talking about my WrestleMania journey. But either way, I'm just so happy to be sitting here and talking about it on this platform. So in this picture, or like in the picture in the background, as you can see, this is the SoFi Stadium. And this is a picture that I took of all of how big or how grand of a scale the SoFi Stadium actually is. Like, if you were on this side of the stadium, like, you could look out and just see everything and everybody from the bottom all the way to the top. Like, that top circle screen up there was, like, playing the visual that you would have had of WrestleMania if you were watching it, like, on Peacock and stuff like that. And there were times where the screen would go out and we would have to chant, fix the screen, fix the screen, and you might have heard it <laughs> if you were watching it. And then, of course, they would fix the screen for us. But either way, I was pretty high. And in the first few or at least the first 20 minutes of WrestleMania night one, I did not climb up to where my seat was supposed to be. I was in the level 500s and I was scared looking down at all of that. Like I'm usually not afraid of heights, but I really was scared climbing up there. So it took building up a whole lot of courage for me to climb all the way up to my seat finally but when I did you know I was just like okay but the first 20 minutes I watched from like the lower level beneath me and just stood up and watched the first couple of matches and it was just out of this world to just walk in to my entry and see all of the people that were there you saw people there from all over the world and all over the country just in this one place collectively for WrestleMania. And it, no matter how many WrestleManias you go to, it continues to overwhelm you every single time. Like, seriously, it was just so great. And the staging of WrestleMania was just so beautiful. Like, big ups to the staging company that built the stage for that. Like, I actually found the name of them, but can't remember it right now. But they built that stage, and it looked like wrestling mixed together with the Oscars. Like, of course, you had on both sides, you had, like, movie posters. You had all the WWE superstars on movie posters moving up and down throughout the night, of course, until there was a specific match that was playing and it was just so beautiful and then you had the steps that takes you up to the stage like kind of like a, an award show like it was just really beautiful like the um superstar Hollywood aesthetic of the staging was just so beautiful and I couldn't get over it. and of course that ramp it's going to be long, <laughs> but it was just so gorgeous to look at. It was so gorgeous to see like every piece of setup that these people had for every event, whether it was this NXT stand and deliver. And um, I'm more than sure the Raw and SmackDown and of course their Superstore was just a one. It was just so beautiful. And the SoFi Stadium was perfect for it because it's larger than life. Like you can fit a lot of your smaller arenas inside of SoFi. That's how big it is. But it was just really cool to see. And this is, of course, a bottom picture. I didn't take this picture. This is a bottom picture of what the set looked like from down low. But either way, it was just unbelievable. Um, it was just, I just can't even get over everything I saw. But now we're going to go to the action. Um, and I'm going to talk about what I love from night one of WrestleMania. Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. Y'all. These women, 
tore the house down. And it's so funny how this match happened because um, Charlotte did say that in a number in a number of press conferences that she felt like if you won the Women's Royal Rumble, then you should be in the main event of one of the nights of WrestleMania because that's what you fight for when you win the Royal Rumble. You know, you're fighting for that main event spot. So to her, she felt like her and Rhea should have been, you know, possibly the main event match of night one of WrestleMania, seeing as real one and also seeing as Cody Rhodes won. Um, and he was in the main event of WrestleMania night one, night two as well, but that wound up not happening. So because that didn't happen, I believe Rhea and Charlotte looked at each other and said, let's give these people a match that these, that these folks will never forget. Let's, tear the house down and dare Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and the Usos to follow it. And that's exactly what these women did. They tore each other up. These women match up aesthetically because of course, if you remember Rhea Ripley, when she came up into WWE through the Mae Young Classic, she had long blonde hair and she was tall, just like um, Charlotte Flair is and muscular as well. And a lot of people compared her to Charlotte Flair a lot of the time during her early WWE career until she changed her look around cut the hair and had more of a gothic look which fit more to who she was and both of these women match up in size and in power and you could feel that throughout this entire match they were suplexing each other off of the top rope this was a part where I thought maybe Charlotte could have gotten hurt right here because Rhea suplexed her and Charlotte flipped over and landed on her stomach and I was just like oh my god like I can't even believe that like they were suplexing each other like hitting moonsaults on each other. And this was another point where I really thought the match could have ended right here, where Rhea actually locked in the um locked in her stretch muffler um submission here. And this match they had us by the skin of our teeth this whole match. And I was just absolutely enthralled by the entire thing. And Charlotte was giving it a go as well because you see this big boot right here, and Charlotte was just giving Rhea everything in this match. Every freaking thing that she had, dressed up in all of her diamonds and everything, she was getting rough with her and getting buck with her. But Rhea, weirdly enough, kept hitting her so hard that I almost thought that maybe she had lost a tooth or something like Charlotte was going ham. Rhea was going ham. It was just a war between these women. And I absolutely love and appreciate them for doing this. Like this match was way, was I would argue was way better than the one that they had at WrestleMania in 2020 where there was no people at. Like they tore the house down then, but they definitely tore the house down here. Like I could not stop watching them. Like I was glued to the screen while watching them. Like I just could not stop. And you could barely tell who was going to win because they kept kicking out of everything that were giving each other like I just it was just a roller coaster of emotions and I just couldn't deal with any of it but thankfully and I do and I do mean this even though I was rooting for Charlotte because Rhea seemed to want to play Miss Gangster a lot of the time with the Judgment Day I am happy that ultimately Rhea Ripley did win because she had a grudge against Charlotte. Like, she was mad at Charlotte for taking away her NXT title um, three years ago and basically, you know, knocking her down a thousand pegs and making her sort of have to rebuild herself two, 
two or three times over. Like this is what Rhea had to do in order to get back on top. And with her reinventing herself with the judgment day and being the eradicator and not just the nightmare that we knew her to be, she built herself back up to say that I am a star. I am worthy of being on top and ushering in a new era of wrestling that doesn't just require or doesn't just revolve around the four horse women and revolve around Charlotte Flair. And that's exactly what she did. And now she is the SmackDown women's champion. I was really happy for that. And I was also happy that she did it on her own because something that the judgment day is really good at is the fact that they love to come out and interfere in each other's matches and cheat to win. And that did not happen here. Dominic stayed out of it, Damien stayed out of it, and Finn stayed out of it because, of course, they had their own stuff going on because Dominic, of course, lost his match earlier in the night against Ray. Damien didn't really have a match, but he still could have interfered if he wanted to, and Finn's match wasn't until the next night, so he could have, but either way, Rhea did it all by herself. And that's something that I do have to respect. And I appreciate that Rhea did that. And I now appreciate that she is now the SmackDown Women's Champion. And now she can stand side by side in a credible way alongside Bianca Belair, who is the Raw Women's Champion, and seek to want to challenge her, I guess, at this point. And I don't know where that's going to go, but I am intrigued by what could happen with that. But either way, it was still really good. And I'm so happy that Rhea was able to do it by herself and prove that she is that girl to usher in this new era after the four horse women. So big ups to Rhea Ripley. You wrestled a heck of a match. You broke your necklace, but it was absolutely worth it. And Charlotte Flair has nothing to be ashamed of either. She's a 14 time champion. She was able to fight through insurmountable odds and they tore the house down and dared the men afterward to follow it. So this is what women's wrestling is all about. I loved it. So another thing that I loved about night one was the fact that Trish, Lita, and Becky Lynch, of, of course, fought in their match versus Judgment Day. And the one thing I wanted to do was to just give credit to Trish and Lita, not only because I love them for personal reasons, but also because of the fact that these women are, you know, older now and don't necessarily have to prove anything because they've already done so much for women in wrestling at this point, but they came through and performed and did a heck of a job, you know, under weird odds. Because while I was there, I did notice that anytime the mem the two members of damage control that weren't Bailey were in the ring, the audience was notably silent. And that made me sad. And it low key reminded me of all the past matches that I had watched in my women in WrestleMania series where the women would be wrestling. And then, they wouldn't get any type of reaction. And it just made me so sad. Like sometimes I felt like I was the only one yelling a lot of the time when I was in the audience. Like it was just so unfortunate that Dakota Kai who came out there and this was her first WrestleMania moment that she had ever had. And EO sky too were out there and they couldn't garner any type of reaction at all. It makes me so sad for them, but at the same time, they can still say that they did participate, but it's like, if you weren't Bailey, it was almost like the audience didn't care. And it made me sad, but the match itself, the quality was still pretty good, you know, for what it was. And I am happy that team Becky leader Trish actually came out with the win. And I love Trish Stratus's outfit, paying tribute to the outfit that she wore the last time WrestleMania went Hollywood at WrestleMania 21. So that was really cool. The match was fine. I just wish that um, 
the girls got a better reaction than they did. So, yeah, they worked really well together. Their chemistry was really great. And I just wish that they reacted better to them. But moving forward with the rest of the card, the Street Profits won the men's tag team showcase. And this match was way better than expected because, of course, you know, a lot of people thought that um, thought that this match being put on the card was a part of the reason why this WrestleMania didn't excite them as much because they felt like, oh, they're just throwing this together just to put folks on the card. But that tag team match was fire. Like watching Angelo Dawkins tackle Braun Strowman the way that he did as he was doing his train thing was just absolutely fantastic. Like I love, I love the fact that every day, every day since people have been putting all types of respect on Montez Ford's name. Angelo Dawkins has made his, made it his business to say, y'all ain't finna forget about me. Y'all ain't finna, you know, leave me high and dry in the dirt and make it seem like Montez is the only one built for superstardom if the Street Profits break up. I'm here too. And he puts it on the table every single time. And it is absolutely fantastic the way that he shows up and shows out along with Montez. Because a lot of people forget Angelo was in NXT before Montez was, and he worked really hard in order to prove himself to be a superstar. And this is where he's at. And the fact that these two won after being lost in limbo for so long because of the Usos and them holding the titles and them winning and all their shenanigans or whatever, which is absolutely great. And then of course you have Ricochet who was of course ricocheting all over the place throughout the match too. Like that match was really entertaining. And then I also want to give big ups to Chad Gable who also, um, had a great performance too, who I believe gave a suplex to either one of the Viking Raiders or Braun Strowman himself. But Chad Gable deserves more credit. Like, I know a lot of people have been saying that he's due for a push soon, but he is really athletically sound. Um, even though he's with the Alpha Academy and Otis and they're going through their issues, like that match, everyone in that match did a heck of a job, but I was just really happy that the Street Profits won, like big ups to them, even though they did lose on the Mania after, on the Raw after, I was still proud of them for winning at WrestleMania, like that was cool, and it was their first win at WrestleMania too, so big ups to them. Then I want to give a huge shout out to Becky G and Jimmy Allen. They did a good job performing America the Beautiful, um, even though I had never really heard of Jimmy Allen before. And when it comes to Becky G, I knew she was a she was a singer, but I had never heard her music before. And I had seen her in movies because I believe she was in the Power Rangers movie that came out years ago that I actually really liked. Um, so she did a fantastic job and she has a beautiful voice. So Big ups to the America the Beautiful Singers. Y'all did that. Y'all sounded great. The microphone was on and y'all did that. So big ups to y'all. Also, I love Seth Rollins' outfit for his match against Logan Paul. Now, of course, y'all know that Seth Rollins is going to come with the drama and with the drip when it comes to his outfits. Shout out to King Troy for being the ultimate stylist to these superstars because the way that Seth Rollins looked like, he looked like Hollywood and then his interest was cool too because he brought out somebody to conduct the crowd with singing oh, oh, oh. like that was fantastic like and then my choir nerd self 
every time he did the cutoff, I cut off too. It was just like, you know, it's just built in me. I can't help it. But either way, it was still fun to sing the song with that many people with like 80,000 other folks singing the song. And Seth's outfit was just so dramatic. And if you've been on social media, on TikTok over the last few weeks, over the last few days, you know that Becky Lynch, his wife, did not even know what his outfit was going to look like. And he said, I told you, it's going to be wild. And she was just like, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. Like, none of us could believe it, Becky. His outfit was fantastic fantastic he had kind of like like the bubble coat and the bubble pants like it was just absolutely cute and then when he took off his jacket he had this top that was just like a crop top thing but it was holding up everything else it was around his neck like it was really giving Jeff Jared from a long time ago it was just so cute and it was also giving Rihanna as well from the Super Bowl with the giant coat and whatnot like it was just really cute like Seth is here and he is so fashion forward. We love a fashion forward icon. Okay. Seth Rollins really did that. Um, and big ups to Jeff Jarrett, who is of course with AEW now, but his fashion is iconic. And just watching Seth channel Rihanna and Jeff Jarrett with this outfit was just absolutely insane to me. Like I just couldn't believe my eyes. He looked like he, he was on the runway. Like, I feel like somebody, somebody somewhere should put Alien Superstar by Beyonce behind a footage of him from WrestleMania walking to the ring. Somebody please do it because I need it for my soul. I need it because he is the Alien Superstar we all need in our lives. Okay. But literally that was amazing. And he did a good job in his match and he wound up winning his match against Logan Paul too. So that was lit. Um... But I also loved Ray versus Dominic. Now, I have a funny story. I almost missed Ray Mysterio's entrance when it came to his match against his son. Um, I saw a little bit of Dominic's um, entrance, but I was in line to get some food. And shout out to SoFi Stadium. Like, their restaurants are top of the line. And, you know, they cost top of the line too, but they are definitely top of the line, like, their places had like different forms of food, different snacks, different dinner foods and stuff like that. There you could get cookies and your hot dogs and your popcorn and, and whatnot and drinks or whatever. And it was just really cool. But as soon as Ray Mysterio's, I was getting my food, but then as soon as Ray Mysterio came out, first I heard Snoop Dogg music and he was like, one, two, three, and two, the four, Snoop Doggy Dogg and then a dun, y'all know the words. And so after I'm like, okay, so that's what's going on. But then as soon as Viva La Raza came on, I was like, wait, I started screaming in front, in front of the, the women who were selling me my food. You know, and they were excited too because they were they are of the Hispanic community, and they were like, "Oh, it's Ray Mysterio!" You know, it's Ray the Girl music. You know, and they knew what was going on. Well, one of them knew, but another one didn't. But they knew what was happening, and just big ups to the Hispanic community. They were giving all kinds of life during this match. When I went back to sit down in my seat. Um, during this match, they were chanting at Rey Mysterio to get the chancla, which is the Spanish word for like a sandal or a flip-flop that um, in Hispanic households was used as a form of discipline to a bad child. And big ups to Santana, my um, editor-in-chief of Women's Wrestling Talk, for telling me that because she's Afro-Latina. So 
I just loved learning that part and hearing them chant, get the chancla at WrestleMania is a form of representation for Hispanic people that I love for them. Like, I love that they were having that moment. But even though Rey Mysterio did not get the chancla, he got a belt and was whooping him with it. And I thought that was really cool, too, because but it low-key gave me PTSD because, oh, my God, the belt, help, Jesus, help. Because <laughs> if it's one thing you're going to get threatened with when you act it up is that belt you're gonna get a belt or you're gonna get a switch okay so this was really funny to see and then the fact that he got beat like this in front of his mama and his sister too who he decided to embarrass by throwing water in it and telling his mama to shut up again i was just like you're trying to die dominic you're trying to die like it was just so ridiculous but either way ray mysterio won this match and i was so happy he did but his entrance was barna one of the best ones like i felt when it came to Dominic making his interest that maybe he would come out with the low rider because at one point he was actually sitting in one of Eddie Guerrero's low riders at the WrestleMania superstore slash museum they had at the convention center, but he did it. He came out in that um, police van, you know, with the handcuffs and the shackles on his feet. So he couldn't dance. So that's what was going on. <laughs> so, and then he came out in a mask, you know, to make fun of his daddy. But Ray came out and gave us the lowrider and Snoop Dogg was driving it. So it was just really cool. Um, and then the trunk was open. And in the trunk it said, I think it said the game, the, a part of the game is to be told, not sold or something like that. But either way, it was really nice. And it was just a really beautiful homage to Eddie. And I wish Eddie was still here because Lord have mercy, like they would have had a ball both being Hall of Famous together, but you know, he's watching from above, so it's okay. But big ups to Ray for winning that match. And Dom and big ups to Dominic for actually stepping up to the plate to fight someone like his daddy. Like I know that pressure had to be tough, but either way, they did perform and did, did a good job. So it was cool. Now this part I almost had a meltdown over. Um, so the Miz, of course, was the host of WrestleMania, but he was also sharing his hosting duties with Snoop Dogg, who you saw throughout the show. And Snoop Dogg, a part of what Snoop Dogg kept doing throughout the night was the fact that he kept um teasing the Miz and saying, Well, since you know you want a surprise and ain't nobody gave you a match, you know, I got a surprise for you, right? So I'm looking down at the ring and all I see is blue pop up on all of the screens around the arena. So I'm thinking it's going to be LA night, right? And because a lot of his signatures show up as blue on the screens too, but it wasn't, it was not LA night. It was Pat McAfee. I started screaming out loud. Oh my God is MF and Pat. And I apologize for saying that, but I was screaming out loud. Oh my God, it's MF and Pat! Ah! And I just had a whole meltdown. I could not stop screaming because y'all don't y'all know I love Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee is literally like the most lit individual that I have ever seen when it comes to wrestling. Like he is a football, he's a football player, of course. He's retired and stuff. And he's a media member when it comes to sports and stuff. But him on commentary with SmackDown, which is one of the greatest things that has ever happened with Michael Cole and just wrestling period. <coughs> so the idea 
of him surprising us and coming back for WrestleMania just threw me into a tizzy that I cannot even begin to explain. Like, I lost it. Like, I could not breathe. Like, I love Pat McAfee so much. Like, I just couldn't deal with it. And so he came out and he challenged the Miz to a match. And this irritated the Miz. The Miz was like, no, nah, I can't fight because I'm in a something, something dollar suit and I didn't come ready to, to fight all this other blah, blah, blah. But the referee came anyway and they proceeded to fight. And then George Kittle, who also plays football for a certain team, I can't remember the team, um, came out and helped him out too. And then Pat McAfee won. So Pat McAfee at this point is like two and one at WrestleMania, I guess you could say. Um, so... Yeah, that was a really big surprise, and I was losing my mind. And I love how Michael Cole was losing his mind too, because he loves that man so much. Like that's he feel like that's his brother. So the idea of me losing my mind and Michael Cole losing his mind over Pat was just absolutely fantastic. And I hope the day comes where he can come back and do commentary full time again because I miss him. Like I love Wade Barrett, but he just don't do it like Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee is the perfect mixture of a fan and a commentator all wrapped up in one person. And I need that energy back in my life. Come back to us, Pat, please. Even though we do love it when you surprise us and surprise Michael Cole because it's precious. But yeah. <coughs> Excuse me, y'all. So moving forward with towards the end of night one of WrestleMania, now, during the night, they were showing commercials and stuff, you know, which was unpopular with a lot of the fans because they were booing a lot of them. And one of the commercials that they did show was the one where they were advertising how next year WrestleMania is going to be in Philadelphia. Now, Philadelphia gets booed <coughs> by the L.A. crowd because, of course, that's the home to L.A. Rams and the Chargers or whatever. And um, Philadelphia... They went to the Super Bowl this year, even though they were unsuccessful due to some shenanigans from the referees. And I will not change my mind about that. Um, so they booed the crap out of Philadelphia. But hey, either way, that's where WrestleMania is going to be. So considering they're starting the whole Philadelphia thing now, they had a little Uzi Vert come out. Now, if you may or may not know who he is, he is a chart topping rapper at this point. And he has a really popular TikTok song out now called, called I Just Want to Rock. And, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sitting there. You know, I had seen like a picture that somebody took and leaked online where it had a sign for WrestleMania and it said Lil Uzi verse. So I'm thinking somebody AI'd it or just made it up or something like that. But no. Little Uzi Vert really does come out there after they do the Philadelphia thing. And he starts performing. I just want to rock. Ah, 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 ah. No ties. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And just when the music started, I got up out of my seat. Everybody else got up out of their seat. And we start yelling and we start dancing, you know, and all the above. And I was like, oh, where's the children? Because, you know, this is the kid's song now. But we just, just start dancing and just vibing out. And he looked like he was having the time in his life, too, even backstage on social media. But after he performs his song and after he talks about, you know, Philadelphia and stuff, the Usos come out. And that was just a sick visual. <coughs> Seeing the Usos and Lil Uzi Vert. Like, that was just sick. Like, that was something I didn't know I needed to see. But it was still really cool. 
the way that it happened. So I was just like, man, that was epic. And of course, that led into the main event, which was KO and Sammy, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Usos for the Undisputed Tag Team Championships. I actually just watched this match back this afternoon. And it was very drama filled. It was very storytelling um, filled because, of course, you know, there was a point where the Usos were ganging up and bullying on Sammy based off of the idea that they were still angry him for all of everything that they had been through about, you know, letting them letting him into their family and then him stabbing Roman in the back at the Royal Rumble and, you know, him trying to take the title off of Roman and all of that. So they're still angry and they were ganging up on him, you know, utilizing their tag team chemistry that we know them for to try to retain. But where everything got changed at, the, the trajectory of this match changed when Sami Zayn actually kicked out of the 1D. Nobody has ever kicked out of the 1D as long as the Usos have been doing it. Nobody has. And so the idea that he kicked out of it and he kept kicking out of every move they kept hitting him with was just absolutely out of this world. And it sent all of us into a tizzy. We were just like, bro, like, what's going on? Like, what is about to happen here? But both of these men, Sammy and Kevin, fought tooth and nail throughout the whole match and it was so good from a storytelling standpoint kevin owens was going hard and fighting for you know Sami Zayn every time it looked like sammy was about to give up and not kick out at three or not kick out at two like it was just really dramatic stuff like it was amazing and then on top of that <coughs> you had Sami Zayn in the match with three haluva kicks to jay uso to just seal the deal and say our friendship and our brotherhood is over and say, look, one for the father, one for the son, and three for the Holy Ghost. He kicked him over and over again and got the count for the one, two, three. And now Kevin and Sammy are now the new undisputed tag team champions. The Usos' reign ended at over 640 days. They got all their flowers at Wale Mania, which I will discuss later. But either way, KO and Sammy wound up winning. WrestleZania, KO Mania ran wild. And we were all so excited and thrilled for them. This is the first time they had ever won tag team gold in WWE together. And then it was so funny because they paid tribute to their independent wrestling roots, which got started in California. Um, so it was just really good to see their moment become full circle and watching them cry and have that moment with each other. Like it was just really great. And now, and now they've basically helping to take down the bloodline because the Usos don't have their titles anymore. And that has now caused a ripple effect of drama that they're now about to go to with their tribal chief, which I will talk about later. So yeah, night one was lit. It was really lit. But the only part about night one that I did not like was the fact that Austin Theory retained his United States title by cheating against John Cena. And <coughs> I don't care what anybody says. John Cena could have won that match. Even though I understand that he's off making movies and making commercials and filming stuff or whatever, I was irritated because y'all really could have just so easily done what y'all did when it came to The Rock versus CM Punk. Y'all had no problem putting that world title on The Rock 
and winning it and taking it off of CM Punk to make John Cena versus The Rock 2 at WrestleMania for the next year. Y'all had no problem doing that. So now you're telling me you have an issue with making John Cena the United States champion in order to teach Austin Theory a lesson like you said you were, you were going to do. Austin Theory, of course, does deserve to go over John Cena because he's doing a hard, like he's doing the hard work and he's doing a good job and he's young and up and coming and stuff like that. But my thing is, I really feel like not putting it on John Cena and not having Austin Theory, you know, come up from that and learn a lesson from that was just a mistake to me. And I didn't like it. And the idea that he cheated to beat John Cena, who is arguably one of the greatest champions of our time, was just put a bad taste in my mouth. So I did not like that part of WrestleMania Night One, <coughs> but Austin Theory still our champion. So, yeah, now I guess he's just gonna go on on a beating spree until somebody decides to beat him. So, uh, whatever. I was just mad about that. But moving into Night Two and what I liked about Night Two, Bianca Belair came out and her entrance this year was fantastic and a lot of us wondered exactly what was she gonna do to top last year's entrance because of course if y'all remember last year she came out with the texas southern university hbcu marching band um when she was going up against becky lynch for the title and she won and stuff so a lot of us were wondering what is she gonna do how is she gonna wreck our souls this year so bianca did not immediately came come out these little girls, these beautiful black little girls came out. And, of course, they are known as the Divas of Compton. They are a dance troupe um, from a leadership organization that's meant to mentor and give kids, you know, extracurricular activities to do to keep them off the streets and keep them from doing, you know, negative things, you know, in California. And I thought that was really cool. This dance troupe came out there and did their routine and they did such a good job. Like I was recording them and yelling for them like I was one of their mama. Like it was insane how good of a job that these women were doing. These little girls who like couldn't be no more than maybe four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. They were doing such a good job. And it took me back to my days when I used to do ballet and hip hop. And I was just loving every inch of them. And then there was this one little girl that you see in this picture named Amira, um, who was a contortionist dancer. And she did a phenomenal job as well. And she had a solo along with Bianca too. And later on in the night during the press conference, we found out that Amira lost her mom um, recently. Now, it didn't happen the morning of WrestleMania like Triple H initially said it did. Um, but on the Divas of Compton Instagram page, they mentioned that Amira lost her mother recently. And I can't imagine being that young of a little girl and having a big moment like that and not having your mom witness that. Like, it was so heartbreaking. Like, it's heartbreaking when anyone loses their mom at all, um, because that's the pain that I've witnessed happen with my parents before. But the idea of being a little girl who has barely like begun to get life life started get having a performance like that and then not having your mom see it just has to be the most heartbreaking thing but she went out there and put on a happy face and had some resilience you know that has to be god-given or whatever and performed to the best of her ability and performed with bianca belair 
and watching Bianca interact with the kids and telling the girls to take up space backstage and everything with the footage that they released from the behind the scenes of WrestleMania was just a blessing because it's black women like Bianca Belair, like Mercedes Monet, like Trinity, like Foxy Fierce and the Beast that allow for black girls to see themselves on television and ignite dreams and ignite desires within them that they didn't even know were there. <coughs> and I'm just so happy that she was there to give them that opportunity and to give them that encouragement as she went on to face off against Asuka in a very hard-fought match. And it's stuff like that that sticks with children forever. And I'm just so happy that Bianca Belair exists. And also shout out to her because today is her birthday and today is the day that she did come to exist in the world. So shout out to her. Happy birthday to the EST. And this match was really good. Um, Asuka gave her, you know, what for and gave her all types of heck. Tried to lock her in the Asuka lock a couple of times. Bianca was hitting her with all kinds of hard hits. Um, she even slammed Asuka into the floor in front of the commentary desk. Like, it was just a lot of hard-hitting stuff going on in this match. Um, if I had to make a comparison between this match and Rhea and Charlotte in terms of singles competitorship with the women, I would have to say that I do favor Rhea and Charlotte more. But this match wasn't bad by any means. It just had a different pace to it. But either way, it was still really good because Bianca had to get creative in terms of breaking Asuka down bit by bit in order to retain the title. And then what's so funny is Asuka even tried to use the blue mist and spit it in her face. But Bianca ducked it and actually hit her with the KOD in order to win. So she retained her title. Now at this point, making Bianca Belair three Anka when it comes to WrestleMania. She is now Mrs. WrestleMania, and I will accept no other names for her otherwise. She is now undefeated at WrestleMania. She is undefeated, like she used to say in NXT. So big ups to Bianca. I loved her gear paying tribute to the Walk of Fame, which I'm more than sure one day she'll get. Like, it was just really cool for her to have that moment. She's a special kind of athlete. Um, her and Rhea are really ushering in a new era of women superstars. So big ups to her. <laughs> so, yeah. Also, another thing I liked about night two was experiencing my first Hell in a Cell match between Edge and Finn Balor. But of course, this was Brood Edge versus the Demon Finn Balor. Now, something that I will say about their entrances that happened while I, of course, if you were there live, you notice that before the match got started, they showed commercials for The Pope's Exorcist, which is a movie that was coming out with Russell Crowe in it, where, of course, you know, it's a very scary movie where, of course, a pope is a pope is being, you know, exercised with demons and stuff like that. And it was scary because you had all these crosses and candles show up throughout the ring. And I'm just like, oh, my God. OK, so this is what we're getting started with. We're getting started with the demon stuff and all of this and. It fit the aesthetic of it, even though people were booing the commercial and didn't care. But either way, it still fit the aesthetic of the match being held in the cell. And creatively, it was really cool. And then, of course, when you see Edge come out, he came he came out with like this silver mask and his demon wings of of sorts or whatever. And it was just really creepy. And then behind him on the screen, you saw bodies falling into hell. And it was just like, oh my God. 
it was so chill inducing like it was just so scary like whoa like edge really was giving you like an insight into being like a demon like it or like a hell satan thing like it was just crazy it was absolutely crazy it was just creepy and then of course you know his old music got started you know you think you know me on this day i see clearly you know that got started and we all started singing that so that was cool and then of course you have finn balor coming out as a demon and he came out with his old demon music that he used to come out with in nxt where he used to go like ah with his arms out like that was insane and he had the purple mixed in with the red and black for judgment day and that was so cool like it was just giving demon all around it was fantastic and the match itself was good but it was also really brutal because <coughs> at one point Finn Balor got hit with a chair and he got cut like he had a lesion in his head where he had to get stitches in and it was really brutal and they even had to stop the match at a certain point because he was leaking out hard like bleeding like on the mat and everything like it was really brutal looking but they were destroying each other. At one point, Edge even trapped Finn Balor in some um, kendo sticks, which is, of course, my favorite weapon. And they were throwing ladders at each other, throwing chairs at each other. Like, it was just really extreme stuff going on. But in the end, Edge wound up winning the match. But it was just some sick stuff. And it was just really cool. For, for that to be my first Hell in a Cell witnessing that, it was just really insane. I loved it. I loved the match. And I was glad... I ultimately was glad that Edge wound up winning the match because when it comes to the Judgment Day, like, it just seems like as a group, they all collectively win so much to the point to where you just get tired of them, you know, and ganging up on the people that they're ganging up on. And I really feel like Edge, even though he got his lick back with Beth Phoenix at Elimination Chamber, um... I felt like he deserved to get his look back against Finn because they've just been fighting for so long. So I was glad the Edge won. A lot of people did not like necessarily that, that Edge got the win over Finn. But either way, I liked it. So it was cool with me. Moving forward with the rest of the show, The Miz got another surprise match in the fact that he was about to fight Shane McMahon, <laughs> making his WWE return after being gone since last royal rumble not this one but the one last year and it's so funny he came back and he like he was ready to fight the men's like full on right he came out there dressed with his jersey and his jays on and everything but he jumped up and hit a leapfrog over the men's head and he landed and tried to stand up but then his knee buckled underneath him and as you can see in this picture he was laying down as medical was trying to check on him and as it turns out excuse me guys he had a torn acl and i was like god dang i was so disappointed and it was scary because right before that in the match before with hell in the cell you know finn looked like he got injured but he only had a cut on his head and then you go to this match and you got shame and man tearing his acl not being able to get up so in the midst of that as you can see above here you have snoop dog and the snoop dog punching the men's in the face saying nah you ain't gonna do my bro like that you ain't gonna go out like that cuz and he hit him in the face and then he hit him with a rock bottom 
and the match kept going and then he hit a one two three and snoop dog stepped right on in there and took the place of shane mcmahon and beat up on the miz and now he's undefeated at wrestlemania too so snoop dog really does deserve mvp of the whole night considering the fact that he really stepped in at the ninth hour and just did a phenomenal job stepping in and beating up on the Miz after that. Like, that was really good. And then the fact that Snoop Dogg was able to do that, you know, in his hometown was just really cool, too. So, shout out to Snoop Dogg. He is iconic. He's an icon that no one deserves because he says, because a lot of people say he's completed all the life missions and now he's just doing side quests at this point. For every side quest he does, he just further solidifies how much of an icon he is in this world. And we should appreciate him while we have him. Like, seriously, Snoop Dogg is icon. So, we also had this match. Gunter versus Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre. A lot of people argue that Drew McIntyre shouldn't have on white gear, but I actually like the white gear. It was really cute. Um, this match was pretty good. Um, very hard-hitting. They all turned each other into ground beef. Throughout this match, it was one of the best matches of the whole um, weekend. Gunter wound up winning and coming out the victor, but it was very hard-hitting stuff, um, which is what you can come to expect from these men. It was really good stuff going on. Um, I liked it. Everybody else liked it. Gunter wound up retaining the Intercontinental Championship, but I would argue that Sheamus is not done trying to get that IC title because he's never had it. And honestly, I feel like this match should have been a one-on-one -on -one situation and not like a triple threat match <coughs> because Drew turned it into a triple threat match. And that's not what it was supposed to be initially. It was supposed to be a one-on-one -on -one match. But Drew is so addicted to trying to, you know, win a title, you know, and have his WrestleMania moment that he was willing to stab his best friend in the back when it came to that. And, I, and hopefully Drew has learned his lesson, you know, after this point. And the next time Gunter and Sheamus fight each other, it can just be a one-on-one -on -one thing. But either way, it was still it was still a really good match. Like, it was NXT UK level of good. So, yeah. So we come to the main event. Y'all... Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. This main event was highly anticipated, but it was really good in the sense that a lot of people wanted Cody Rhodes to finish the story and win the title that his dad never got a chance to officially win and to finally end the reign of the bloodline, right? Now, Cody Rhodes came out here, and his coat was new. It had wings on it. Like, this man looked like an angel out here, okay? Like, he came out here ready to fight. He came out there and hugged his wife, kissed his wife, Brandy, and hugged his daughter, Liberty, who was just the most beautiful little girl on the planet. It was just so cute. And, you know, and he gave his he gave his um, weight belt to Negative One, um, who is, of course, Brody Lee's son, and it's just, it was just a heartfelt moment. And I thought that night really was his night. You could feel it in the air. Everybody was ready for Cody Rhodes to win it, right? And this match was hard fought and it was really good. Even though there were a lot of shenanigans afoot, 
the moments where there weren't any shenanigans, Cody and Roman really did tear the house down with this main event. Like, they were hitting each other with the best of what each other had. You saw moves that you had never seen Roman Reigns do before, moves you had never seen Cody Rose do before. Like, it was really, really good. Like, these men really did an amazing job. And you even had this point where Cody gave Roman the bionic elbow made famous by his daddy, Dusty. And it was just like a couple of moments where you just felt like he really was going to win. Like there were a couple of moments where Cody actually um, hit um, not only the elbow, but he also hit the crossroads at least three different times and Roman Reigns still kicked out it was just so sick watching this match in person like you felt like you were just gonna have a heart attack each time for every kick out and I was just like y'all y'all this is too much for my soul it's just very emotional stuff happening but then and then of course you see this Cody cutter which is an amazing shot of it you know it was absolutely amazing but Solo's evil behind, after getting ejected from the match earlier, came back with a hoodie on and hit Cody Rhodes in the ring corner with the Samoan spike. And then Paul Heyman got involved and distracted the referee after it happened. And then Roman covered Cody with the one, two, three. And Roman is still the undisputed WWE Universal Champion. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I'm going to make the screen big on this part. When this happened, I left. When Roman Reigns pinned Cody on fair and square, I left. The moment that bell rang, I went down the stairs and just stormed out of the SoFi Stadium. I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. I was heartbroken. I was upset. You can feel the air leave the stadium. But as the air was leaving, so was I. I left. I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed. I wanted Cody to finish the story. He came back from a pec injury. His pec got torn off the bone and he fought and held in the cell against Seth Rollins, <coughs> who was using mind games to fight him with. He beat him. He came back down here to Alabama to get it repaired, made his return at the Royal Rumble, won the Royal Rumble dealt with mind games, dealt with Roman and the bloodline, utilizing his daddy's memory to get in his head and all of that just to get at this WrestleMania and lose. My heart was broke. My heart was more broken than a person in a breakup. I was hurt that Cody lost. And I was even more hurt Monday when he got ganged up on by Brock Lesnar. Like, how can you kick him when he's down like that? Like, I was just so irritated. I was just like, bruh, I understand that Roman Reigns is money at this point. And I understand the sale just took place and all that other stuff. And I understand that y'all might want him to reach 1,000 days as champion. But y'all are so willing to give him 1,000 days as champion and push Cody Rose to the side like that? No. I hated it. 
I hated every inch of it. I hated it. I hated it. And then what made it even worse was when you left the SoFi Stadium, you had people in their cars still playing the Bloodline theme song, Roman Reigns' theme song or whatever. Say, put your ones up. Put your ones up. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I want to ride in the car with the people who had Cody Rhodes' theme song playing. Like, those are the people who I want to be around. I'm sick of the bloodline. I'm sick of Roman Reigns. I'm tired of it. Even though I understand it's one of the greatest wrestling storylines in, in the past 20 years, I'm tired of it. I want Cody to be champion now. <laughs> I'm sick of your 1,000 days. I don't care about your 1,000 days. I don't care about your bloodline t-shirts. I don't care about any of it. I want Cody to be champion. And then Cody was so sad. He wanted to apologize and everything and say, I'm sorry. And I'm just like, no, it's not your fault. It is not your fault. Roman cheated. It was his fault. No, I want Cody to be champion. Okay. Even though I know a lot of people, a lot of critics are going to say, you have to build him back up. He hasn't had that much adversity and all of that other stuff and blah, blah, blah. Yes, that's true. He hasn't had that much adversity. Nah, Cody could have had that moment right then and there, and it would have been beautiful, and we would have been happy, and I wouldn't have stormed out, and everything would have been fine. But no. Roman. I was so upset, highly upset, but this is where we're at, ladies and gentlemen, and that was how I felt about night one and night two of WrestleMania. I was so happy to be a part of it, happy to experience it, like, every time they show clips about it. I just can't believe I was a part of it, and honestly, when it comes to WrestleMania, it's one of those events that sort of reminds you why you love wrestling. It reminds you of why you're so invested in this sport, because not only are you um, watching these people, you know, have an amazing show that has lasted for over 40 years now, you're surrounded by people who love it just as much, if not more than you do. And that's really like the most amazing part of it. Like, people from all over the world as I was leaving both nights I heard people in different accents from different countries you know talk about wrestling and it was just really cool and I'm going to talk more about my experiences with the people a little bit later but either way it was just absolutely amazing to be a part of this is one of the best Wrestlemania's ever bar none and I'm happy that I was able to be a part of it because I just want missing other WrestleMania's tired. So, yeah. This is Roman's world. We're living in it. But there will come a day when you lose. But whatever. But just to talk more about my journey to Los Angeles. This is a picture of me when I got to the airport that I took. Um, just to say, hey, I, I was here. You know, and stuff like that. And this was Wednesday um, afternoon. I had flown in from Birmingham, you know, in the morning at seven in the morning and then got there, you know, in the afternoon, took a picture by the sign and whatnot. And I was just really excited to be there. And then when I got on the flyaway bus, there was a poster for WrestleMania on the pillars of the parking lot for LAX. And I was just like, Oh yeah, this is it, baby. We are here for WrestleMania. It was so exciting. And then of course, for women's wrestling talk, I got to participate in my first ever 
media call for Ring of Honor, Super Card of Honor. Of course, this is a media call. This is something that you can participate in as a journalist where you can either ask in a question or type a question to ask um, Tony Khan as he answers questions about um, the event that was set to take place. And of course, Super Card of Honor is basically like their big event centered around WrestleMania weekend where you have all kinds of championship matches taking place. And what was really cool about it was the fact that um, my girl Katrina from Women's Wrestling Talk got to participate in it as well. And she got to ask a question about Athena being the Ring of Honor Women's World Champion um, and who she was set to face off against. And interestingly enough, after she retained her title at Ring of Honor, a certain somebody was sitting in the audience by the name of Trinity, who we will discuss a little bit later in the show. But it was really cool to participate and listen in on um, this media call and participate in it. It was really cool. Shout outs to Ring of Honor and AEW for all the things that they're doing for those people over there. Um, and I heard it was a really good show outside of Dante Martin breaking his leg. Um, that was sad. And also big ups to the Lucha Bros for being the new Ring of Honor tag team champions. Of course, those titles were held by the Briscoe Brothers who sadly can no longer defend or hold them due to the unfortunate passing of Jay Briscoe. But Mark Briscoe, of course, you know, is moving it forward. And so big ups to them. So shout out to Ring of Honor. And I was glad I was able to participate at media um, call. Then on top of that, after that, I went to the Superstore on that Thursday. I went to the WrestleMania Superstore just to zoom in so you can see a bigger picture of the sign. It was at the convention center in Los Angeles, which was across the street um, from the Microsoft Theater. And, and it was a beautiful setup. They had all kinds of red carpeting out there, as you can see. They had the red carpet out there for the fans to walk on, to make them feel like they were walking on... Um, of course, a premiere or whatever. And the stuff that they had in there was pretty sick. They had, of course, all types of merchandising, all types of championship belts, T-shirts, jerseys, jackets, you name it. It was in there. Stuffed animals, all of it. And then on top of that, they had a museum in there with lots of old um, artifacts from various wrestling shows, including the old school WCW sign um, from their staging from Monday Night Nitro. And this, you know, was a big deal for me because that's how I got started into got into wrestling in the first place. It was through WCW. Um, and to take a picture standing in front of it, you know, meant the world to me. Like, it was just really cool to actually touch it and actually see it like, whoa, like this is actually the thing that I saw for so many years during my childhood on tape. Like, it was just really cool. Then they also had various championship belts from the Attitude Era and the um, Ruthless Aggression Era in the museum component as well. As you can see, they had the old women's title and tag team titles and the WWF Championship and the Intercontinental Championship too. Like It was just really cool stuff in there. And then they also had Bianca Belair's gear from last year's WrestleMania and they had Sami Zayn's gear. From and the um mousetrap that he got caught in in his jackass match with um Johnny Knoxville last year, too. And then they even had um Eddie Guerrero's um lowrider in there as well. So it was just really amazing stuff in there. And then I bought a t-shirt and a cup, like I couldn't help it. 
But like if I had had way more money, they would have taken it all because the amount of beautiful and quality stuff they had in that superstore was just massive. It was absolutely massive and gorgeous. I couldn't deal with it. Then after I left the um I left the superstore, I went to the Ringer Wrestling Show meet and greet. Of course, the Ringer is a sports and entertainment, I guess you could say, website that's centered that's centered on various forms of entertainment, including wrestling. And they have um, a family of podcasts. And I wanted to go to this meet and greet to meet some of these people, you know, who I listen to on a regular basis whenever I'm, you know, at work or, you know, at home or stuff like that. And I got to meet up with a lot of different media people. This is Math Damon from the Black Wrestling Podcast, who's of course, which is of course mainly hosted by Cal Davenport, who also works for The Ringer as a writer, as well as the host of Black Wrestling. And of course, if you haven't checked out our collaboration episode for Black History Month, please go do so on the YouTube channel for The Hardy Wrestling Podcast. It was a great time. But Math wasn't able to be on it because he had a family obligation, which I completely understood. But I was so happy to meet him face to face to take a picture with him at the um, Tom's Watch Bar at that meet and greet too. And then I got to meet up with Queen PR from Those Wrestling Girls. She was a busy bee. Um, during her time at WrestleMania, because not only was <coughs> she experiencing WrestleMania stuff, she was also doing press with Chris to be, um, for WWE. She was at the press, <coughs> press junket. She was at the press junket, excuse me, guys for WWE as well as the press conference for um, WrestleMania as well. So big ups to all the work that she and Chris B are doing um, for wrestling media and just the representation that they offer and continue to give, you know, as um, pioneers in the black wrestling podcasting space. It was really great to see them operating on that level and seeing them having fun and stuff like that. That's the picture we took together. And I also got to meet up with Kane McCoy, who works with us at Women's Wrestling Talk and also um, works in radio in L.A. as well. He was a really big help um, throughout the trip. Um, and he also gave really solid advice and encouragement throughout um, the weekend as well. And then I also got to meet Peter Rosenberg um, from Hot 97 in New York, who's also a wrestling fan and works as a correspondent with WWE, too. I got to meet him and talk to him at the meet and greet, too. And also shout out to Brian H. Waters for giving me one of his um, buffalo wings <laughs> at the event as well. Like, it was just a really good time. We had an amazing time. This was basically like the pregame before Wale Mania. So this was just an amazing um, vibe. I loved it. So... We go to Wale Mania 7, and my God, this was an experience beyond my wildest belief. Of course, for those who may or may not know what Wale Mania is, so the rapper Wale, who's Grammy-nominated, um, and he's also a really huge wrestling fan, um, he has this event along with um, Emilio Sparks and Kazim Fa Famu... I'm so sorry if I messed up your last name, sir. Um, they have this event where a lot of black wrestling fans just sort of gather together and celebrate where wrestling is for WrestleMania. And it's called Wale Mania. And it was at the Novo, which is like this event um, theater and also a bar that's there as well. Um, it's a party space and we were there partying, listening to music, vibing out, listening to wrestling theme music. And then 
on top of that, the most coolest part about Wale Mania is that you never know who's going to show up. And along with there being wrestling fans there from all over the world, you also have wrestlers coming in and wrestling personalities and hosts coming in as well. Sam Roberts from Not Sam Wrestling was there, and I actually met him and shook his hand and talked to him a little bit. Um, Braun Strowman was there. Raquel Rodriguez was there. They were there together. Karrion Cross was there, and he actually walked right past me, and he had on a hoodie, and I was like, whoa, it's Karrion Cross." <coughs> it was crazy. <coughs> but then on top of that, you also had NXT superstars there. All right, forgive me, guys. Um, there were NXT superstars there. And so I took a picture with on your left. You see Idris and Nofe. So if you watch NXT, you know he's in a tag team with Malik Blade. And they've been tearing it up on the tag team um, junket for a while. And it was just really cool to meet him and mingle with him or whatever. But it was dark and my flash wasn't working. So I had to edit the picture in order to make it light so you can see our faces. But either way, getting to meet him was cool. And then on your right is basically the NXT stars of tomorrow. You had Jakara Jackson, who is on your left. You have Lola Vice, who's also on the left. And on your right, you see Nikita Lyons, who, of course, has been out with injury with her knee. And she told me that night that um, this was her first night out without her knee brace. And I was so happy that of course she's recovering but I was even more happy at the idea that I got to meet her and tell her that I was the one who made that clip talking about her you know um NXT debut and how all the men were going crazy over her because of how beautiful she is and she was very grateful for that she was like thank you so much like for that and for all the love and stuff and that was really great to actually be able to tell her that I was the one that was doing that and I was the one that was tweeting about her and stuff like that. So it was really cool that that happened and we all took a picture together and then Lola Vice was telling me, well, stand in the middle if you want a picture. And I was like, excuse me? Like, I felt really insecure about standing in the middle of them because they're all just so beautiful. And I'm just like, I mean, I know I'm beautiful too, but they're like WWE superstar type beautiful. And I'm just like, oh my God, help. Um, But I did. And it was just really good to meet them. 
And of course, you know, you can catch more of Jakara and Lola Vice on NXT Level Up, which comes on on Friday nights after SmackDown on Peacock. But either way, I was just really happy um, to see them and to meet them and to mingle with them. That was just really, really cool. And when I posted the picture with Nikita and the other two girls, they were just, a lot of people were commenting, were just like, oh my God, I can't believe you have a picture with Nikita, you know, in a good way. And also the men couldn't believe it either. They were just like, oh my God, is Nikita, you know, it was just really funny. So yeah, it was really great. And I was just really happy that they were nice enough to want to take a picture with me because they didn't have to, you know, these superstars are not obligated to give you their time for a picture or for an autograph, you know, and that's something that Wale did mention at Wale Mania about being about superstars being followed and accosted at airports. Like if you see them at airports, don't treat them like they're zoo animals and, you know, try to make them perform for you. Let them be human beings because they're trying to get somewhere just like you. So just leave them alone. But and the off chance that they are nice enough to give you a picture, you know, tell them thank you and tell them that you appreciate them and tell them that, you know, that they don't have to do that. But, you know, at the same time, be grateful for it, you know, and just be nice about it. Don't push up on them and don't try to force them to do anything that they don't have to do because they are human beings at the end of the day. So, yeah. And then there's this picture with my birthday twin Xavier Woods and I was so nervous to meet him but I couldn't believe it was him because I was walking up and I saw I believe it was Simon Miller from What Culture who I've had on the show before so go watch the interview if you haven't already I saw him but then I saw Xavier and I was just like wait a minute Xavier and I had had a freak out moment over Big E earlier because they did a tribute to Big E. And I saw him and I was just like, "There's, there, it's not guaranteed that Xavier is going to be this close to you ever again. So I have to take this chance. And I touched his arm <laughs> and just said, excuse me. Hi, I'm Stephanie, host of Hardy Wrestling Podcast and host of Women's Wrestling Talk. And I'm a big fan of yours. And I feel like you should be Intercontinental Champion at some point. And you know, you're really great. And I admire everything that you've ever done. And, you know, just all of the nice things. And he appreciated it. And he took a picture with me. And I can't believe it. Like, I love the New Day so much. And I wish Kofi was able to be there. And Big E, of course, he's a very introverted person. So I doubt it very seriously. He was, you know, mingling with a lot of the people. But the idea that I was able to get this picture with Xavier just means the world to me because I love him so much outside of him having amazing like amazingly good looks like he's just so talented in the ring and I feel like there's so much more that he could be doing like he deserves a singles title run I feel like if there's anybody who could end Austin Theory's like um United States title run it could be him or he could end Gunther's you know reign as the IC champion or he could be WWE champion if they were to ever split the titles up ever again. Because honestly, I feel like out of all the members of the New Day, he hasn't had that big, 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 big moment. And I feel like Xavier deserves that. So to be able to take a picture with him just meant the world to me. Like, I couldn't believe it. I'm so excited. Every time I look at it, I can't even believe it even happened. But <clears throat> there we are. So, yeah. Shout out to Xavier Woods. You're an amazing Virgoat. I love you. So, the guest of honor at Wale Mania was Trinity Fatu, formerly known as Naomi in WWE. <clears throat> and this part was very emotional for me. 
because of course when it comes to the walkout um the person who seen who tends to get a lot of the press when it comes to <coughs> that walkout is Mercedes Monet because of course she's the most she's like really popular because she's very high profile and stuff like that but I feel like Trinity Fatu gets lost in the shuffle a little bit because of I, I don't know why but she shouldn't and she should be just as high profile as Mercedes Monet is if not more because of all of the work that she's put in when it comes to wrestling like Trinity like they showed all of her accomplishments from when she was first in WWE and even before that when she was a dancer as a little girl when she was a dancer for the NBA and then when she transitioned into WWE to participate in NXT the game show and watching her evolve from that to being you know a funkadactyl and not only just a funkadactyl but then a tag team wrestler with Cameron and them breaking up and then her being her own superstar and feeling the glow and then sometimes even turning heel before that and then feeling the glow and then of course her accomplishments at WrestleMania being the first winner of the battle royale for the women and then of course winning the SmackDown Women's Championship twice and being the first black woman to win a championship at WrestleMania <coughs> and then winning the tag team championships at WrestleMania too. It's just like, there's so much that Trinity has done and represented in terms of representation for black women in wrestling that I feel like she doesn't get a lot of credit for, for a new, for numerous reasons. Like she, you know, handled the transition from the divas era until the women's era almost flawlessly she transitioned into that really well and the idea that she wasn't being appreciated along with mercedes is just absolutely terrible but in this moment we got to give her her flowers and got to cheer for her and love on her as much as she absolutely deserved and it was just really great to see her get that love in a public place like wale mania she did tell us publicly that she's not done yet so for all we know, she could pop up at Ring of Honor. She could pop up at AEW because we have seen her in more pictures with Jay Cargill. She could pop up at Impact Wrestling. You just never know. But either way, Trinity Fatu is not done, you know, blazing her own trail when it comes to wrestling. And I feel like when it comes to the coverage of both of these women, we should give both of these women their flowers while they can still smell them because Trinity deserves all of the love and appreciation for what she has contributed to the wrestling business there are a lot of women in wrestling a lot of black women in wrestling because they saw her there are a lot of black women watching wrestling because they saw her at the royal rumble making her re-debut in 2020 where that afro like she deserves all the credit in the world for that and to be able to witness her get those flowers with that montage that I did post on my social media. So if you follow at Queen Steph Hardy and at Hardy Wrestling Podcast, you'll be able to see some of it. But either way, it was good to see her get that love. So the Hardy Wrestling Podcast loves Trinity. So, yeah, that was really good. And then moving forward with the rest of the weekend, um, that Friday, I got to go to a um, a kickback that was hosted by Andreas Hale, who is friends with Biggie and working colleagues with Biggie. <coughs> and he actually did a women, a women in wrestling panel that was hosted by Mimi of Black Wrestling. 
And the women on the panel were Big Swole, Faye Jackson, um, Miss Thickums T from TikTok, and also um, with her video game work, as well as Candice Cordelia. Um, and it was really great to see them on that panel talk about their journeys as women in wrestling. And these are women that I'm happy to have shared space with and had on my show before, or, you know, women that I have, you know, congregated with online. So it was really great to see them and also commentated for it because Faye Jackson was my commentary partner for Black Girl Magic last year. And then I got to call Ashen for Big Swole last year at Battle Club Pro. So it was just really good to meet these women and talk with them. And I also got to meet Suzanne, who is a promoter and owner of Hit Club Pro, um, which is amazing that a black woman is, you know, an owner of a promotion, a wrestling promotion. Like, that's really amazing. And I told her, you know, her and Candace both, like, whenever y'all want to work with me, just let me know. Like, hit me up. Y'all know where I'm at. Like, they got my information. So it was just really good to network with Andreas Hill and Evan T. Mack, who was there, along with um, his wife, who was on the panel, too. Um, Mrs. I'm calling her Mrs. Mack now because I can't really remember her first name right now. But either way, it was just really good to see them talk about their journeys in wrestling and all the things that could be improved upon um, when it comes to us. It was just really cool. And I got to meet Seahawk, who is an amazing writer. Um, Cameron Hawkins, who is a blogger and a journalist as well. Um, I got to meet him, even though at one point he was kind of like poking fun at me in Birmingham. But hey, whatever. We got to see each other and that was cool. And then I also got to meet the Grapsity crew. Um, that's Phil Lindsay, who I've met and had on the show before. Will Washington and Righteous Rage. That was really cool to meet them as well. And maybe at some point we'll have a collaboration. Stay tuned. But that was really cool to meet all three of them in one space. That was amazing. And then that Saturday, I went to NXT Stand and Deliver, which is the first wrestling event I had ever went to that early in the morning, but I was so happy to be there. And then I got to be in the Crypto.com Arena, which is, of course, formerly known as the Staples Center, which is where the Lakers, you know, built that house. Kobe Bryant built that house. <coughs> so it was really great to see them and be a part of that, you know, event. NXT Stand and Deliver was fantastic, and I actually got to see the crowning of a new champion in Carmelo Hayes. Yes! Who I said is up next, who I said is very much ready to be the next guy up, who has all the makings to be a star. I said that. And he came out there with his purple and gold on, along with his name in the Los Angeles Lakers logo. I was just like, I knew he was going to win. I was so happy he won. Like, y'all don't understand how happy I was that he won. I was so excited. And I enjoyed the rest of the show, too. But this was definitely, like, the highest point of the show for me. It was watching Carmelo Hayes win the NXT Championship. Because he is him. And not only is he him, he is champion. He went from a Casanova to a champion. And this is where we're at, ladies and gentlemen. And I was so happy for him. And then I'm also happy for Indy Hartwell, too. She is now the NXT champion after, you know, toiling away in NXT for such a long time. And then on top of that, she had the love of her life, Dexter Loomis, help her win the title, too. Like, that was just amazing. Love is real, guys. And Indy Hartwell is champion. Love will lift you up, okay? And it lifted her up on that ladder, and now she's a champion. So that was cool. Then on top of that, after NXT Stand and Deliver, I got to talk about how I felt about Dragon Lee on what culture 
um, with their ups and downs for Stand and Deliver with Adam Wilborn, who was there. And they had, of course, traveled to cover all the events for um, WrestleMania weekend. And I got to be on there. So that was really cool. I couldn't believe it when I saw all the people gathered around there. I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to be on this show. And I gave my opinions about how I felt about Dragon Lee. So if you have, if you do watch What Culture Wrestling, look up the ups and downs for Stand and Deliver for NXT and you'll find me on there. <coughs> it was really cool. So yeah, that was awesome. <coughs> and so here are more pictures of me at the SoFi Stadium. It was really amazing to be there. So that's me in front of the sign. And just that's the picture in the background. So, yeah, that's pretty much my entire weekend as a whole. And here again, I'm just so happy to be to have been surrounded by people. Who love wrestling just as much as I do and love WrestleMania just as much as I do, too. And hopefully next year I'll get to go in an official capacity and be, you know, working as press and I won't have to be so high. <laughs> so yeah i hope you enjoyed this episode of the red podcast even though i was coughing through it guys i'm fighting a cold so bear with me here i'm so sorry about that but either way i hope you enjoyed this new episode of the hardy wrestling podcast and of course if you missed it you can catch it on youtube later on today and also just be on the lookout um for the audio version of the episode coming out um probably today or tomorrow but of course before you go at to give the call the call to action so if you haven't already purchased an alabama wrestling t-shirt from foyerwear.com slash hardy wrestling podcast please do so the logo is on the back of it but on the front of it you have people from alabama who have made strides in wrestling like sensational sherry teddy long kayla braxton paul barra deborah fuego del sol and aqa on the front of the t-shirt and of course if you want the t-shirt you can buy it in all sizes and it's available in red or black you can also buy a hoodie as well so please purchase that and i also have new designs coming through the pike later that i will make announcements for later on um in the next few weeks so please be on the lookout for that and also if you love listening to my you know voice when i'm not sick um you can watch me on Women's Wrestling Talk, the number one women's wrestling show on the planet, on the WOW Women of Wrestling Superheroes After Show every Monday at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern on our live platforms. And also check me out on Fridays on, <coughs> on SmackDown and Rampage After Show with our editor-in-chief, Dreon Santana, as we talk about Friday night in wrestling as well as going on our website on www.talkpod.com and checking out the articles that I have written so far about various subjects in women's wrestling as well. So be on the lookout for that if you want to check out more content with me on it. And of course, if you want to check me out more, you can listen to the Hardy Wrestling Podcast everywhere you get your shows. Audio-wise, um, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else. And also subscribe to the YouTube channel, The Hardy Wrestling Podcast, with the logo on the top of it. And just subscribe and ring the bell so you can get notified every time I go live and every time a new video is posted so you won't miss a thing. So, of course, I hope you had an amazing WrestleMania weekend and I hope you're having an amazing holiday. 
And of course, this has been the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl, Stephanie Hardy. And until next time. Bye, y'all.